Oh, wait. Um, are we ready? Abort mission? Uh, we don't know what we're doing. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, one second. It was doing that thing where I like accidentally set it to loop. So it was like looping over the same recording. And I was like, wait, no, I need to do more than just five seconds. Could you imagine how psychotic that would have sounded by the end of it? <laughs> just the same. Because I'm pretty sure I just said, all right. And it, that's all, all it right, recorded. Right. So it's all right, like right, <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Just over and over and over again. <laughs> Oh, that would have been neurotic. All right. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) I'm good now. We're good. Okay. Are you sure? Good. We're good. Good. I'm good. You good? Yeah, I'm good. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Welcome to Mile 13. I am Kim. She is Jackie. They are Casper. I'm back. Casper's back. Yay! Yeah, that's what I said. (laughs) I missed you. Yeah, Casper's been MIA for a while. Yeah, I'm settled into the new place. Uh, it is lovely. It is interesting because this is the first time I've ever lived on a first floor apartment. And uh, I'm getting very used to people being able to see into my life. Because <laughs> I'm the type of person that just always has my like curtains open, always has my blinds open. I love natural light. And so I'm like... I'm getting used to like sitting here and watching people like look into my apartment and making eye contact with me. And I'm like, don't look at me. I'm a gremlin. That's exciting. How's my buddy Artemis getting used to it? She's good. She is getting used to, the problem is um, that she spends a lot more time alone than she used to. So I get home and she's just like super energetic. So like I come through the door and she's just like, mother, you are here play with me now and i'm like can i like take off my shoes and she's like no you must play with me now and i'm like okay you know it's bad when a cat's too needy for you though yes (laughs) okay too much love go away (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah no but she's doing good you want to talk about the elephant in the room Hmm. i yeah i guess we should first of all thank you to everyone who expressed concern um, for Jackie and me, we are fine. We did not know any. I didn't know anyone. Should you explain what you're talking about? Yes, this I will should be because by the time this is out, it'll be a couple weeks. Um, yeah. It is now. So right now, as we speak, it is Tuesday, um, roughly two days after the incident in Dayton, where we live in the Oregon district. Um, so emotions are still very, very raw. Um, tension is very, very high. It has been a really difficult emotional summer here Mm -hmm. in Dayton. Um, I, and feel free to like skip ahead through all of this. Um, if you really don't want to hear it, but for me, at least like I was telling Jackie before we started recording, this is kind of my safe space. Uh, and so you guys have to listen to my safe space (laughs) where I can like (laughs) rant and rave and, I'm not going to get too political um, because that doesn't accomplish anything. I don't think anybody has any answers. Um, and if you say that you have all the answers, you're, you're wrong. It's it's a very complicated issue. There's mental health factors. There's gun control factors. There's, uh, I mean, there's ju- there's just too much. Nobody knows the answer. There, are, mm-hmm. it's a it's a very complicated mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, uh, did you know anybody that was down there at the time? Yeah, uh, my coworker for my previous job, she was in Blind Bob's, which is that is that right next to it? She said she was about fifty feet away from yeah. the shooter at one point. Jesus, it's yeah. Blind Bob's is a cr- so the shooting took place right outside of a bar called Ned Pepper's and like an adjoining bar called Hole in the Wall, 
And Blind Bob's is kind of catty corner across the street from Ned Pepper's. Okay. Yeah, so she had posted that she was there and, like, heard gunshots. It, everything I read was on Facebook, so I don't know that much. But um, she's the only person I know that was there. But, I mean, I worked with her last year. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so it's, it's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. It's just one of those things. Uh, and it's like I was telling Brandon, you know, I feel guilty partial like a little bit guilty because um you know just this summer in two months we've had a the like the clan rally that wasn't uh and i i i love dayton so much like you guys know this by now um i talk it up all the time i love dayton so much my family's been here for a hundred years i'm fourth generation daytonian um i like this it's it's literally in my blood like this is kind of how I was raised that this is my city and you take pride in it in the good times and the bad times and this is this is where I'm from Mm -hmm. and my family is from and so I think that's why it's affecting me the way that it is because I was out of town we were together out of town during the Klan rally that's when we went to Nashville yeah um when the tornadoes rolled through uh, like two weeks later uh, my house was untouched. I was in a laundry room. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know anybody that was down in the Oregon at the time of the shooting. So, like, really, it hasn't directly affected me. But because it's my city and because I love it so, so much, it has directly affected me. And so, sure. it, but I feel guilty because I, I didn't lose anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not out anything because of the, the awful things that have happened this summer. Yeah. The, so, the one weird thing with us is Saturday night, Brandon and I were actively looking to, like, go out. So my cousin was in town, so we had texted her, like, hey, do you want to go out, go and do something? She's from Cleveland. And she texted back late and was like, oh, no, you know, I'm just going to stay in tonight. So if we would have gone out, Brandon was thinking to go to the Oregon district, (laughs) which, if that were the case, being honest, I don't think I would have been out until 1. But, um... I think Brandon's friend who has insomnia, they normally go out. Um, they'll go taking pictures in the Oregon district. And one of Brandon's favorite pictures is in front of Ned Peppers. And if they do that, they're usually out until two in the morning. So mm. his friend told Brandon that he was going to text them, but he got a new video game. So he didn't. So that could have been wow, I mean, I really think bad. There's a lot of those like almost woulda, coulda, yeah. shoulda, almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is. For those of you that are not from around here, the Oregon district is the heart of Dayton. Like it is, um, it's, it's our entertainment district. It's where all of the local musicians play. It's, it's like all, the go get a drink kind of place. Yeah. And it's all local, um, locally owned shops. Um, shout out to Hart Mercantile, uh, for their just phenomenal everything this summer. Like they did disaster relief drives for the tornadoes. Um, they were instrumental in making uh, T-shirts to raise money against the Klan. Um, they have really been, um, they're right across the street from Ned Peppers. Uh, again, maybe Caddy Corner a little bit, like on the other side of, I, should, they, I think there's actually like an alleyway between them and Blind Bobs and that's it. Oh, okay. So, hmm. uh, but they just have really, really, really been, there's a reason why Heart Mercantile actually like fits them. That name fits them really well because they really have done a lot of really good stuff for the city this summer. Sure. Um, so shout out to them. Uh, and some of the other local businesses, Ned Peppers reopened today, which I saw that the, I can't wow. imagine like that has to take so much. That's quick. 
Mm-hmm. Well, um, they were talking about um, trying to give like a sense of normalcy, nor- yeah, normalcy I back get to that. the city. Um, because you you walked through today oh, and it gosh. was it was not normal at all. So I mm-hmm. I really enjoy going down to the Oregon. Steve and I go down there. I would say probably at least every other week, if not mm-hmm. once a week. Um, and it is not normal at all down there. Like it could be mm-hmm. very easily, except for the fact that world media is camped out on on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, there are massive, massive media tents to the point where like I went into heart today to pick up a shirt that I had ordered. I had to pretty much like walk through somebody's broadcast because they were blocking the sidewalk to cry to get into the store. And I don't have, I, you know, I had to get here and record. I didn't have time to wait around for you to finish your stupid broadcast. Mm -hmm. I, I am a little angry at that portion of it. Um, they are a a lot of the, and I don't know, I, this is a totally nonpartisan rant because I don't know if it's MSNBC. I don't know if it's Fox news. I don't know if it's CNN. Frankly, I don't care. They're leaving their trash all over the street, which is not okay. Mm -hmm. That's when there was a picture that you had shared, right? Yeah. They just, they like, and, and the trash that they're leaving is like Starbucks. Listen, If you are one of those, if you happen to be listening to our podcast and you are a broadcast journalist and you get dispatched to a tragedy, go to the local places. There's no Starbucks anywhere near the Oregon district, but there is a really good local coffee shop called Press that is a literal two minute walk from where they are camped out. Um, They really could have used the money, frankly. Uh, So support support the local businesses like if you're going to descend like vultures onto our town and cover a tragedy at least make it worth our while mm-hmm. Ooh, like if you're you capitalize off mad. Us, do something yeah so i am I, that is the part that is making me the most angry is the disrespect that these out-of-towners are showing to grieving families a grieving community it 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 it, it, it frankly it sickens me Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to um, circle back to something that you said earlier, Kim, about how you felt guilty because the situation hadn't like personally affected you in like a direct way. Because um, I was yeah. I was thinking about this, and it's something I talk about with my friends a lot is the fact that all pain is valid. Um, so I want to just reach out to all of our listeners and say that like you don't have to be connected to feel upset about this, like. I am so sorry that we live in a world that these kind of events are so common and happen and are so normalized at this point. It shouldn't be that way. And you are allowed to be upset even if you are not like connected to the event. So no matter what, if you are feeling upset or hurt in any way, please find help. There is no shame in finding help. Um, And if you're angry and anything like please seek out therapy talk to friends talk to family like i implore you to go talk about your feelings go on a podcast <laughs> talk about them on a podcast yeah yeah yep. no yeah. i i really do appreciate that and it's you are absolutely right and it's something that i am uh, because i i don't i don't do well with that kind of thing like mm-hmm. i i don't like i don't know it's hard to explain like I don't know. I don't do well with feelings. So, um, I am really trying to like rationalize it and get through it. But so I will, and Jackie, you, you can talk more about it if you want, but for my part, I really, um, it kind of struck me today 
that uh, I have some hope in this situation um, because my favorite Daytonian is a guy by the name of Ermel Fraze. Have either of you heard of him? No. No, but I saw you had said something about that. Yeah. So, okay, Ermel Fraze is um, – I love him. I feel like he is sort of the personification of Dayton. He was a machinist, uh, born in Muncie, Indiana, moved to Dayton – and he was at a picnic in 1959, like a cookout, and he didn't have a bottle opener for his beer. So instead of whining about how he didn't have a bottle opener for his beer, he went home and invented the pop-top can. <laughs> <laughs> and right. I feel like that's, that's as Dayton as you can get. Like, you can't open your beer, you invent something to fix it. Yeah. So Dayton, uh, for those of you who are not from the area... Dayton is the home of inventors. It's the home of artists. It's the home of people who see a problem and figure out a solution. Mm -hmm. So while I am not glad that this happened here, in some ways, these are the best people that it could happen to because these are the people that it is in our nature to find a solution. And so this is a fantastic and a perfect place for this dialogue of change and and what can we do to make it better what are the problems how can we fix it this is the the best place in the world that I can think of for that kind of dialogue to start mm -hmm. and at the risk of going into tears I'm not going to say anything more about it <laughs> those are very wise words though <laughs> So anyway, Jackie, what else is going on with you? Um, let's see. Immediately, I'm sweating profusely because the AC is off, it and is I'm trying really to think of here. a really weird transition, and there is none. But no, I'm sweating profusely. Um, let's see. Work is going insane because we have 80,000 kits and, like, four people to do them in a week. Ugh. So, I don't even know what that means, but it sounds awful. Yeah, there's there's four people right now, and we're getting it's it's a mess. Works super intense, and I'm sweating profusely, and that's where I'm at right now. I'm sorry. I um I kind of got a promotion at my haunt job. Woo! Oh, oh, you told me about that. Oh, we should maybe mention that to the listeners about yes. the haunt. So, um, in a few weeks, so haunt season is really starting right now. So I am starting with like helping out with auditions and, um, we're like doing workshops, revamping the house so that it's ready for haunt season. Um, we will officially open our doors on September 13th. So, um, mm. yeah. Um, <laughs> cause you know, it's Friday the 13th kind of have to by law. Oh, oh. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but from October 9th to November 2nd, I will be performing in the haunted house every single night. So <gasps> that being that said, so you're going to get abs. Yeah. Yes. I was going to say that oh, you sounds so like so in shape. <laughs> it sounds like a very physically a, taxing job. There's a thing called mm -hmm. thun, uh, like haunt thunder thighs. It's haunt thighs. <laughs> Where you, you just get them because you're, like, crouching down and running all the time. Um, but it was a couple years ago I was in a position, like, one of my roles was I had to, like, play this victim. And I was, like, lying down on a table. And when, like, groups would come in, I would sit up and, like, scream at them. Um, but what I realized was every time I was doing that, I was doing a sit-up. 
So I got these like incredible six pack throughout the season because I <laughs> was doing Man, like I am in the so many sit ups every night. <laughs> Work I at a haunted house, a guys. Haunt it's performer. the best exercise you'll ever do. Hmm. Making you people even, freak out. Right. And you probably don't even notice it because you're having fun. Yeah. Oh, and you're having such blast. But yeah, basically, my haunted house has two separate houses. And I got promoted into the leader. It's not technically a management position, but it's um, the person who's like in charge of that one of the houses. So I'm mm, like in okay. charge of one of the shows. Cool. Um, well, congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it's because of that that in a few weeks I'm going to have to go on another hiatus and kind of I'll be gone for a bit. But I'm going to do a special episode before we leave. Um, kind of I won't I won't tell what it is, but it's going to I'm it's going to give a like a little goodbye episode before I come back. Yeah. Yeah. We we have a sort of an outline of the next couple months and they are really good. I can't so wait excited. to record before Casper goes us oh yeah oh, no. I, see there. <laughs> I hate you <laughs> <laughs> i've been waiting to say that for such a long time you have no idea oh i know <laughs> i saw it on your face i saw this like little demon <laughs> smile come across your face like oh no i'm gonna do it i, I get to pull you. it out of my brain and finally say it i'm i'm so proud of you oh, thanks <sighs> i can't get away too. from the bad puns ever oh no you never will so they're around me forever Better used to it. My my dad jokes are awesome. They uh. indeed. <laughs> anyway, you want to get this show on the road? Oh yeah, I guess we should. We're we're gonna talk more about sad. Say, what, like, are, what are we talking about, about more this week? than just sadness and despair and Ermel phrase? But this yep. stuff happened a while ago, so it's better. <laughs> <laughs> Although not really. Um, we are sticking to <laughs> we are sticking to Ohio. Yeah, that is true. Um, yeah. A town to the southeast of us called Marietta. Woo! Woo! Yeah. These days it's a college town. Um, and it turns out I know a lot of people that went to Marietta or like people, I know people who know people who went to Marietta. Like yeah, I didn't even realize until I started kicking the name around that I was like, the people were like, oh, I went there. Or, oh, I know so-and-so that went there. So apparently it's yeah, a pretty big school. My best friend school. went there. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently it's a pretty big school. It's, um, um it's very, from, from what Bryn said, it's a very like elite school. Cause I remember her being excited about getting into it. Cause it was like a low acceptance rate. And I toured expensive. when I, when I was looking at colleges and it's beautiful. Like it looks like it would be an Mm -hmm. Ivy league campus. Like it's all those old red brick buildings and it's kind of like nestled in the Hills between, I think it's Ohio and West Virginia. Yeah. Um, and it is just beautiful. It's beautiful. So I will be honest in the fact that I didn't grow up in Ohio and, um, like I don't have a whole lot of opinions about Ohio. Um, but I always just kind of assumed it was pretty much like Indiana or Illinois. That was pretty flat cornfields, not much to look at, but a couple years ago, which we'll talk about more, Jackie and I did a uh, really, really fun trip through, um, through Ohio. And I was amazed at how pretty Ohio is. It is beautiful. And I was like, I was driving along. I was like, this is Ohio. I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm being like, Colorado, look at these mountains. Where did these come from? Okay, but yeah. t- to be fair, 
they're not like mountain mountains. No, no, they're not. They're like big old giant well, hills with trees. Like they're not Rocky Mountains or they're anything. From no, but they're from Illinois, really, Indiana. They're. I mean, yeah. I guess if you're used to <laughs> Illinois and Indiana, they're mountainous. But, but I got like. It's we like went, the rolling hills, hawking hills. Yeah, the start they're of, giant. They're big real pretty. Hills. They're not like mountain yeah. mountains like what you get out west, but they are. I mean, they're big, big hills. It's surprising. I think Ohio. They were formed If by you're glaciers. willing to look, yeah. If you're willing to look, Ohio has a lot of cool stuff. But if you're wanting like a vacation spot, it's easy to like overlook. We're kind yeah. of boring. If you want a vacation, let's be honest. Um. Hawking Hawking Hills is my main. I mean, like if you if you want if you are looking for a vacation where you can relax, Ohio is perfect. There's lots of places to relax. Also, if you're you're looking looking for a place to find a shit ton of ghosts, yeah, which is what we did. Agreed. (laughs) One one day we're gonna cover Waynesville. Oh, I'm excited. Waynesville's yeah, <gasps> a town near us. Oh, it's yeah. supposed to be the most I've haunted ha- haunted town in Ohio. Casper and I went there too. I've never seen a ghost in Waynesville, but they say it's very haunted. The we talked to we like went to a candy shop and I was getting this like little like ghost shaped fudge kind of thing and I like asked the lady I was like so I hear this town is like super haunted have you ever experienced anything and she went on like an hour long rant about like all of the different experiences she and her friends had all had. It was so mm. interesting. Didn't she say that she had just performed an exorcism too? Yep, yep. They had okay. it, like, it had gotten bad enough that they had performed an exorcism on the shop, right? Yeah, which which we were really makes in. sense because <laughs> Waynesville bills itself as the antiques capital of the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. lots and lots of old stuff in Waynesville that yeah. has ghosts attached to it. I'm sure. Oh yeah, but we're not talking about Waynesville. I was today, just going to say that we're talking about Marietta. Yeah, we're talking about Marietta, Marietta. was established in <laughs> 1788. It was actually the first permanent settlement in Ohio interestingly enough Ooh, cool um but before that native americans had lived in the area um and the oldest known tribe that actually dates back to before christ uh and that was the hopewell indians um they built something called the mary and and forgive me for my non-pc term of indians like that's a lot of times that's what they referred to themselves as and still refer to themselves as at least like around here so i'm gonna try to say native americans but i'm probably gonna slip up just so you know i just Um, like, I'm sorry, this is my b- brain not being a history brain, but I just realized that, like, Native Americans and Jesus could live in the same time frame, and that's blowing my goddamn mind. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to take a moment for you? Kind of. Are you good? A bit. I, like, it, like my brain is exploding. I mean, it's, America was here, like, the landmass was here when Jesus was walking around. Yeah. No. You, look so- <laughs> you can see Casper's face right now. Like, they've just got their head in their hands. Like, I just shattered their world. You probably did. I'm so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, you learn something new every day. I just, like, I obviously, I obviously know Native Americans existed before colonialism and before we, like, discover America. I understand that. But I just, like, I didn't realize ancient civilization went back that far. Yeah. Yeah, I stood huh. on an Indian... Um, town it was a couple thousand bc it was in arizona that's so, so cool yeah anyway so sorry the hopewell, continue <laughs> the hopewell built the marietta earthworks which was a large enclosed square and it had four platforms 
used for ceremony. So I think it was like on each corner of the square mm-hmm. um, and elite residential areas. So the chieftain and his family would live on the on one of the platforms. Um, and within the square was also a conical burial ground, like in the center of the square. Huh. Um, the religious practices of the Hopewell were largely focused on astronomy and astrology. And Casper, I think you'll like this. The deity that they worshipped and revered the most was called the Spider Woman. Oh, I love her. Um, the <laughs> I spider, love her already. <laughs> the Spider Woman was the central female life force who was believed to sit at the center of all creation. Hell and basically, yes. like, energy, <laughs> creation, everything flowed out of her in a sort of a web whereby we intersect with other elements and other creations. I think I want to be her. <laughs> Dude, that's I knew you would cool. like her. Yeah, so she she and the Hopewell, I mean, I don't know for sure that they believed in extraterrestrials or whatnot, but I I mean, they definitely were open to the idea that there was more beyond just what we can see here in their um ancient world. So they were really cool people. So it was they believe more you you kind of just said this, but like the um, like the close relation of everything, like everything's mm-hmm. kind of connected, interconnected through the Spider Woman's web. Hmm. The yeah. Spider Woman's cool web and terrifying. connects us all. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Hopewell were followed by the Shawnee Indians uh, and other tribes. Now, the Shawnee, if you're kind of local, um, the Blue Jacket, mm-hmm. you might know of of that guy. He was um a Shawnee Indian who was not actually Shawnee. He was a white guy that was taken by the Shawnee and became a Shawnee. Oh. Interesting. Um, in 1749. Oh, we jumped Vive a la bit France. there. Huh? We jumped a bit there. We did, we did <laughs> jump. So there was the Hopewell and then there was the Shawnee and some other stuff. And then the, the French Yee. came Vive in 1749. <laughs> um, and the French actually did the way that they claimed the land was kind of interesting. They buried these big metal plates uh, and I'll put a picture up on the Facebook page that basically like just said, this is our land. <laughs> like we buried this plate here, which means it's ours. No, the French does face basically. <laughs> and, and they unearthed um, one of them later on and they, there's a reproduction of it. Uh, at the intersection of Gilman and Virginia Streets in Marietta. So if you cool. want to see one, and and they're big, like they're like six feet tall. Oh, like they're big, they're big. That's bigger than I expected. Yeah, yeah. they're huge. So if you want to see one, you can go to the. That's corner. a Jackie by Kim in size. Yeah, it's huge. <laughs> they're well, they're rectangular, so it's probably like four by six. That's a Casper by <laughs> Jackie. <laughs> um. And then later, the French ceded their land to the British after the French and Indian War, which the French got their butts handed to them. Um, but the city of Marietta is actually named for, do you know who? Pop quiz. Um, some dude named Marietta. Marionettes. Very close. Marie Antoinette. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're the same. She of Let Them Eat Cake fame. Ah. Uh, she that actually, one. though, had helped the colonists win against the British. Hmm. Did oh, I really? say that the French got their butts handed to them? Yeah. Yes. That's not true, is it? 
I don't know. I never studied the French and Indian War. You're our history person. How do how the fuck do you think we'd know? <laughs> because <laughs> because this is pre Civil War, and I'm not that interested in pre Civil War. Anyway, the oh French wow. and the Indian. We'll have to edit this part out. French <laughs> and the Indians had a war. Marietta was named after Marie Antoinette, who helped the colonies win against the British. Um, guess who else came to town in 1770? You're not going to believe this one. Mark. Wait. In what year? 1770. Oh. Mark Twain? No. Not Mark Twain. He's not alive. I thought you were. George Washington. Hey, Everyone giving up for America's favorite bot and branch, man. Wait, no, that's Lafayette. What's those songs? Here comes a general. That's the one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he came through as a surveyor back before his presidential days Hmm. and he actually wrote about how beautiful the area was. Hmm. So, uh, you have that in common with him, Casper, that you and General Washington both think Marietta area is beautiful. I always thought you guys were similar. After the Revolutionary War, the United States sold or granted big old tracts of land to stimulate the development. And that's when the Ohio Company was formed. It was a land group from England that brought a whole bunch of acres. Um, they started at it. They bought a bunch and then they traded some and they lost some. They started at 1.5 million acres and they ended up with about 750,000 acres. So they lost quite a bit, but, Mm -hmm. um, squatters had moved into the area and they set up along the floodplain about 30 miles North of Marietta. Um, but that settlement was raided by, um, Native American warriors who killed 11 men, one woman, and two children. So I'm really curious to hear if any of your stories have to do with Native Americans or, um, like old school settlers from the revolutionary era. Mine has I, train tracks. Shakes, so probably not. Casper <laughs> okay. and I just make eye contact. We, and like, we were like, no, no, <laughs> mine, mine has train tracks. Okay. Mine does not have train tracks. So that that squabble um, in the bottomland was uh, one of many uh, in the late 1780s and early 1790s. And eventually the Treaty of Greenville was signed in 1795, which provided clear land boundaries and also some tribal reparations um, from the land that was basically taken from the Native Americans. Hmm. Um Education in Marietta has always been really important. Muskingum Academy was founded in 1797. And then Marietta College, which is where Bryn went, uh, was founded in 1835. So it's a really old school, Mm -hmm. um, which is probably why it's so prestigious. It's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, Interestingly enough, Marietta College was used as a stop on the Underground Railroad. That's a fun fact. That's a fun fact that's actually fun. Yeah. I'm not used to saying that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really cool. Also, uh, well, I'll get to that, that little, there's another fun fact that I love, um, but Marietta has developed relatively quietly as a railroad city, a port city. Um, now it's primarily known for the college, um, the, the beauty that Casper and General Washington talked about, (laughs) uh, and it's history, which is kind of, um, interesting to people that are not me, (laughs) but (laughs) But one other little fun tidbit that I, lo- I love this fact. So remember how I talked about um, the fact that the Hopewell built the Marietta Earthworks with their conical burial ground, like, in the center? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, they call it the Great Mound. And the settlers actually preserved it. And do you want to know how they preserved it? How? Because I am this this is another example of why I'm so proud to be from Ohio. It's real pretty. The people are awesome. They preserved the Native American, ancient Native American burial ground by building their own cemetery around it. So not on top of it, literally around it. Yes. Huh. I really like that. Yeah. So the other people in the future could not come through because in order to get to the Native American mound, you have to dig through the settler graves and nobody's going to do that. So they, they literally preserved the dead, um, I guess, uh, not organization. What's the word I'm looking for? Culture. Culture. Uh, Civilization. Civilization. Yes. They preserved the, the civilization that came before them by, by surrounding it and not like bulldozing over it or not, not like, decimating it they built around it and added and protected it that's badass that's Um, really cool love that and starbucks built it right on top can Mm -hmm. kick rocks that's what starbucks can do (laughs) i'm probably gonna get in trouble for saying that but that's okay bring it on one of our sponsors we don't have any sponsors suck it starbucks And then we'll have Starbucks sponsors later. We will. And we'll be like, oh, no, we're going to have to take that back. <laughs> I don't want Starbucks as a sponsor. I refuse. It's redacted. I, I'm too much of a coffee snob to have Starbucks as a sponsor. Yeah. I'm not a fan of burnt coffee with a bunch of sugar added. Unless it's the s'mores frappuccino. I the will only thing I will say for goods. Starbucks is they give really good benefits to their employees. That's true. Okay. Working well, that's there good. is nice. Getting their coffee is not so much. Mm. Just, uh, yeah, I'm not a big. I don't like their coffee. Yeah, there I. Said I have it. several friends in the haunt industry who are like paying through their school because they go to Starbucks or because they work at Starbucks. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Well, good on you, Starbucks, for paying your employees a livable wage. Yeah. Work on your coffee. So, I'm covering the Lafayette Hotel. Ooh! Ooh wow! Cool. <laughs> Do I sound, su- sound surprised? Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. Um, so pretty much it is allegedly one of the most haunted places in Marietta. And um, it was built in the Mary or the Lafayette Hotel was built in 1918. And it is the most iconic and most haunted structure in the city. So the way the hotel was set up, right, is where it kind of looks like a like a pizza piece of pizza yeah where it's like, like a the triangle. triangle yeah and this is really pretty structure um but before it was actually built in 1918 there were two hotels next to each other that existed and then over time they went away the lafayette was built on top of like the two um lots of land that makes sense yeah so as those hotels um, the mansion house was the first of the two and it was built in 1788 and it was opened, um, as like the highest class hotel that you could imagine. So like mayors would come in, they would throw balls, have these really high end dinners. It was a really wealthy, like who, anyone who's anyone will go to this hotel and um, actually, over a hundred years, 
this hotel, it got sold. It got turned into a boarding house. And um, it was, this is kind of sad, but it was torn down in 1937 because it was just so decrepit. Mm. Like, in a little over 100 years, it went from the place to being, like, unfixable. I feel like this is a trend. We had this with some of the the hotels and things in Savannah, too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we did. Like, they just kind of go into ruin. And it's so sad because... I feel like a lot of our architecture and, and things now, it's just very disposable. And I don't think they make buildings like they used to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I saw pictures of it, too. Like, it was a very pretty place. Well, if Joanna Gaines got her hands on it. I think there's something to <laughs> be said about, for like, everyone. all of these hotels are, like, supposedly these, like, really exclusive high-end hotels. So it probably is the, like, exclusiveness that, like, the common man can't afford to go to these places. So business isn't going to work if you are that exclusive. Mhm. Yeah, cuz I don't know very I don't know like any rich people. So I was <laughs> certainly not going to one of those. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> um Yeah, so that that was the first house. So it was built in 1788. Uh the house or the hotel next to it was called the Bellevue House and it was built in 1892. Um, that is where the, m- the main portion of the Lafayette stands today. So, y- cause you remember when we were in the hotel, there was that addition that was kind of weird. Yes. Yes. So we should probably take this moment to sit, explain why I know what you're talking oh. about. <laughs> okay. So, um, Casper and I actually stayed in this hotel. Yes. Ooh. That was a very important detail that I left out. Um, so when we did our haunted road trip, we, is it very expensive now? No, no. It's like 50, 70 bucks Something in that, like that range. Well, oh, that's it was, not bad at all. Since yeah. I'm a year behind Jackie in school, so it was my senior year. Jackie was a year out of college. It was my like spring break. We decided that we were going to do a haunted road trip throughout Ohio. So that's what I was talking about earlier, that we went to, I think, like eight different places. And it was like a span of a three-day trip. We stayed in like... Whoa. We stayed in one haunted house. We stayed in like, or we stayed in one haunted hotel. We stayed at your family place for one of the nights that we needed to stay at a place. No, we went and stayed at my friend Kelsey's place. That's where we went. Yeah, we stayed at Kelsey's. Um, but yeah, we went to like all these different places. Um, and Jackie and I are covering two of the places that we went to in this like <laughs> area. So yes, the reason why I know what Jackie is talking <laughs> about is because I have been to this hotel and I have stayed in this hotel. <laughs> Thank you for being the responsible one that brought that up because I never would have actually gone into detail about that. We would have gotten there eventually by my story, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Casper and I actually stayed in this hotel. It's really So when I ask Casper questions, it's because we were there. Um, But so there's this weird chunk of the hotel and it's an addition. So that weird chunk was the um the mansion house that was built in 1778 is where the addition is and then the bellevue (coughs) is where the main hotel portion is if that makes sense yeah does that make sense i think so okay i I think i get it also um are you going to talk about the stairs at all Sorry, I just remember that we had to go up and down these like tiny, tiny spiral staircase, which was like the point of the triangle. 
Um, and it was like I forgot about the that. tightest, most claustrophobic staircase I have ever been. And we went all the way from the ground floor all the way up to the top because we wanted to explore the entire hotel. And so we like cool. were pushing on doors that we should not have been pushing on and like cr- like crawling around this place. It was intense. Why am I yeah. not surprised? It was it was about shoulder width wide, wasn't it? And then it was just a spiral. So I remember that giving me a lot of anxiety. That oh, yeah, was me too. Spiral staircases in general give me anxiety. I feel like, well, I we were at the Stanley two years ago, the Shining yeah. Hotel. Yeah. And that was one of the things. They have a spiral staircase like that. And they said that it's actually like scientifically, they, they said even scientifically, it's like a vortex of energy. In a spiral, like in a spiral, there's like a vortex of energy in it. So it's just weird. Like, yeah, that, I've, I've never heard that. That's r- bizarre. That's what the tour guide said. But she she got paid to say stuff like that. So, yeah, it's Fair. true. Um, so, yeah. So in 1892, um, the Bellevue was built where the Lafayette stands today. And so then this building can, was considered to be the centerpiece of the town. So pretty much whatever is built here, because it's kind of that like that pizza shape. Um, it's kind of in the center of town. I forget how many stories high it was for maybe. Maybe. Was it higher than that? It wasn't super tall. Yeah. For a small town, it was a, it was a good size. Um, but yeah, so let's see. Um, and it's got out. Okay, so the Bellevue was burned down actually in April of 1916. Uh, there was an accidental fire in the storage room on the top floor, and it was really windy that day. So the fire just like whooshed through and just destroyed Ooh. everything. Yikes. So, yeah, that was the total destruction. Um, so then that was torn down. So it was torn down in 1918, and then 20 years later is when they tore down the mansion house next door. So trying to keep all three buildings in uh, order, but uh, you're doing great. The, huh? You're doing great. Keeping them all in order. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying really hard. The Lafayette is what we're talking about guys. In case you forget. Okay. So now Um, I should sing the, uh, everyone give it up for America's favorite Frotten Frenchman Lafayette. Yeah. Now you can say it. (laughs) <clears throat> okay, so, <laughs> uh, so two years later, the Lafayette Hotel was opened, um, and it was rebuilt where the Bellevue was, and this hotel it had where it sits. It has this really pretty view. Of the it's where the Muskegon River and the Ohio River come together, so you can look out over that. Uh, it's prime location to historic downtown. There's shops, restaurants. Um, all this really pretty stuff. The hotel, it's oh, the hotel itself was four is four stories tall. Um, when it was first built, it had fifty five steam heated rooms, Ooh. which for nineteen eighteen is pretty good. That's pretty fancy. Um, right. It had a bar. Yeah, I bet you're gonna tell me they had indoor plumbing too. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> Whoa. Um, so it had a bell system that ran to every single room. And it had hot and cold baths, which that I would is, assume is plumbing. Yeah, that is bi- that's a big deal. That's really cool. And I'm upset about this because guess how much it cost to stay initially? How much? How much? Two to three dollars. We paid way more than that. <laughs> 
Well, like, what what was inflation? What would the two to three dollars in that period be nowadays? Probably a lot. And so the Lafayette Hotel was named from a man who was named Marquis de Lafayette, who was a French hero in the American Revolution in 1825. And there's a plaque to this day near the hotel that marks where he actually came to shore. And locals call him the first tour um, tourist in Marietta. Hmm. So. Everyone give it up for America's fate. Right <clears throat> French man. And you're going to do that. I was just looking at you, waiting for you oui, to do that. Oui, mon ami, je m'appelle Lafayette. I love that soundtrack. Hamilton. I'm, it's, it's Hamilton's reference. The only times I've ever listened to it was on this road trip when Casper played it in the car. Yes, it's true. Yes. Yeah, but I was cool probably. Because that's the only way it should be played. Is <laughs> over and over and over again. I till you convert the non-Hamilton fan. I'm driving, therefore we are listening to Hamilton. There you go. And I was like, okay, that's <laughs> probably how it went down. Yeah, do you must. Um. So back to my story because you guys keep interrupting this so rudely. Um. Someone salty. <laughs> Uh, So when the hotel was first built in 1918, there was a guy named Reno Hoag who was hired as the manager. Wait, what? That's a name? Uh, H-O-A-G. Hoag? Hoag? Reno Hoag. Is it Hoag? I don't know. It's probably Hoag. But even still, Reno Hoag, that's like a, that's a Vegas name. Yeah. That name might, Hoag might sound familiar to Casper. I think Hogue sounds more familiar. I'm sorry. Hogue. Uh, it's one of those. I'll say Hogue because that's I don't want to go Hoag. <laughs> this. Um, but so the father and son worked. Uh, the son j- joined the team after the dad got hired on. And they worked in um, the Lafayette together. And there was something about the hotel that they just loved. So they were working. It was his father-son um duo and they decided three years later to actually buy the hotel um or at least like start the process of buying it they bought all the interior stuff and then leased um the hotel so it, they, they were starting the buying process three years later hmm. and um yeah so the so they joined teams um the son actually worked there for 50 years. Wow. Yeah. And he built the wing um, that was over the Bellevue. And so it's called the Hogue Wing. So Casper and I, we woke up at 3 a.m. when we stayed there. The witching And hour. that's supposedly the most haunted place. And so that's where we walked around was the Hogue Room. And it's named after the guy who owned it for such a long time. Does and he, he haunt it? <clears throat> I don't remember. Um, so yeah. Uh, okay, okay. So we're good. Um, so the hotel is doing pretty good at this point, uh, but it has seen its fair share of hard times. In 1937, there was this really bad flood, and it actually caused the water to go 10 feet above um, the lobby floor. Whoa. So, like, no one died, but a lot of destruction. That's the same year that the Bellevue got torn down, too. Mm. So I'm thinking there is a connection there. 
And Probably. Yeah, if you if you do go to this hotel, if you walk inside, it's like its own museum. So it's very Victorian. Um, when we walked in, there was a line of phone booths that are original. Oh, cool. So we, we did we sit in them? Mm-hmm. We went in. Yeah. You can sit in them, shut the door. Um, the cabin that we stayed in, it was, there's different kinds of rooms. And we stayed in one that was a theme boat or steamboat theme. It was a theme boat. It <laughs> <laughs> was a theme boat. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, it's just, it's very beautiful. It's very old. It looks like it hasn't been touched in a hundred years, but in a really good way. Oh, nice. It's, it's stunning. And, um. Yeah, like so yeah, our bed, like our, our room was themed to look like it was part of a ship, and above our bed was like a boiler kind of thing that had all these like knobs and levers, yeah. and I played with every single one of them. I was just like pulling you all did. of the levers. None of them worked, but I really wanted them to. <laughs> I really want to go to this hotel. It like, is just neat. because of the themed rooms. It is very pretty, and it's like this long, narrow room. Uh, it's real tiny, but I mean, we didn't pay that much. And apparently there's hidden um, drawers in it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Whoa. But um, there's hidden areas. If you stay in our room, you might experience water coming out of the light bulb that's above your shower. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> like, is it supposed to do, like, I mean. I no. don't think it's supposed to do that. We woke up. Was It was, like, the day we were leaving, and we were, like, packing up. And, like, I went into the bathroom, and I was like, hey, Jackie. I don't think it's supposed to be doing that. And like from the light fixture above us, water's just pouring down. Yeah. So it's like your like the porcelain light on my fan. If that was turned on, but water was also coming out of it. That sounds super unsafe. It I'm sure it wasn't. Like I said, I'm I don't sure think anything's been touched in a hundred years. <laughs> um so that might happen to you. Um uh, we called the lobby and told them, and they decided that it was most likely the people above us just, like, left the water on or something. <laughs> most likely. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. It, it's cool. We we didn't almost die. We lived. Um, we did survive. Um, no ghosts. You guys ready for the ghosts? I'm so ready, I'm so for, the ready for the ghosts. It's my favorite part of our show. Mm. Okay. So there are several apparitions that have been seen within the hotel. Uh, people will often hear, well, they'll see like the shadow people. Um, they, they hear whispering. So that's pretty standard. Um, there's also a woman that has been seen in the woman's bathroom that'll lock the doors and turn off the lights. Bitch. Is it Moaning Myrtle? <laughs> Props. <laughs> TBH. Um, there is another woman who is elegantly dressed in old Victorian clothing, and she's seen in the restaurant. Um, guests often see her and think she's a reenactor, and then they'll turn around and see that she's gone. Ooh. We ate at that restaurant. Did you see her? We did, yeah. I did not. Oh. I, as far as we know, we could have been. disappointed. The food was good, actually. Oh, oh yes. it was really good. Yeah. Um, oh, I was just going like to say. Buffet? What'd you say? Was there a buffet? I don't or, like, remember. Like potatoes or something? I just remember it was a really cool bar. <laughs> it was, yeah. Um, so there's also a little boy who's no older than four. 
And he has been seen patiently waiting outside of the woman's bathroom as oh, well. Oh, baby. Oh, he's just waiting for his mom. Who's locking herself in the bathroom? <laughs> That's not his fault. Listen, <laughs> if we've learned anything over the last few episodes, it's that kid ghosts are not good. So I. That's true. This woman is probably locking herself in the bathroom to get away from and this scared, and it's like kid. a little demon baby. No, he's hey, just I a support this kid. demon baby. I think he's just a four-year-old kid. I am Casper, and I support this demon baby. I'm around four-year-old kids all day long, and I myself sometimes lock myself in the bathroom to get away from them. I support your demon babies. <laughs> um, so the most common ghost um, that is seen is Mr. Hogue. Hello, Mr. Hogue. Yes. So the, the man who owned the hotel for 50 years, uh, and he is... He's seen as a protector of the property, uh, and he mostly hangs around the third floor, which is where we were at 3 a.m., um, and that's the addition that's named after him. Were you, like, poking around at 3 a.m.? Yeah, so we Maybe. set our alarms. So did you see him at 3 a.m.? We did no. not. Because he was probably like, dude, go back to bed. You're not <laughs> supposed to be messing around my hotel at 3 in the morning. Yeah. The only weird thing is it was really cold. It was super cold. But... But I think that could have could have been just because it was an addition. But it was like noticeably colder in his hmm. area. Yeah. Um. But he is a very friendly ghost. It's his hotel. He's sticking around. So not not any dark energy. He's he's very proud of it. Yeah, um. He has a right to be. Yeah. He he's done a lot with it. Uh. He he does like to prank people a oh. lot. So he will often hide travelers' items, turn <laughs> them upside down, or like empty shampoo bottles. And this is extremely common. The people that work there say it's almost a daily thing where someone will call in. And it's usually minor stuff. Like, I know I packed this. It's gone. It'll show up later. What a little Things shit. I, I love him. <laughs> He's a fun guy. He's like, I'm not making money off of you guys anymore, so I can screw with you. I don't <laughs> need to be hospitable, but I'll have fun. When I die and when I become a ghost, I aspire to be that kind of ghost. I aspire to be the kind <laughs> of ghost that just does harmless kind of annoying pranks to people. Like, like, I'm not the kind of ghost that pushes people downstairs. I'm the kind that just, like, steals your retainer. Oh, <laughs> I'd rather you push me down the stairs. Yeah, that's an expensive prank. I'll give it <laughs> back. Get those back. At least he has coffee. Oh, he has and also learned anything. Coffee is really important, coffee especially when it's not Starbucks, which is yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I sense an episode title. Uh oh. Yeah. He likes his local coffee, okay? He. That's good. He's a ghost. Does it all himself. He has grinds nothing it but by time. Hand, mortar and pestle. <laughs> He's a little bougie. That sounds very time consuming. Hats off to you, Mr. Hogue. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, true. <laughs> true story. That's valid. Um, So, 
these are some two quotes from people. They said, uh, I looked up in a mirror to see a Obviously. man dressed in a white shirt, tie, the whole thing, just kind of checking me out. I looked <laughs> just, behind me, in the and obviously Hi. there was nobody there. So oh, is he like a how jokester. you doing kind of ghost? How you doing? <laughs> hoaxster. <laughs> oh, Mr. Hoax, stop. <laughs> the hoaxster. Evening, ladies. <laughs> they call me the hoaxster. <laughs> <laughs> um and okay so this is another quote this is my last thing it says a lot of people claim to have seen a man dressed in a shirt and tie certain to be mr hogue others say there are kids so who's that guy there are kids a lady in the basement and more recently but i want to know a man in a brown suit that no one seems to know who he is so there's a lot of i don't know there's because the yeah there's two women a boy Apparently, it's guy in a tie and Mr. Hogue. All friendly. Yeah. Either like residual or oh, pulling pranks on you. Interesting. But yeah. So we stayed there. Hmm. And I suggest it. Oh, I was just going to say, I fully suggest going there. It was very fun. It It's almost like a, um, it's kind of set up like a museum. Like you can walk in certain rooms and there's there's a big fire that happened. Oh yeah, the fire in the Bellevue. There's a bunch of information from that. There's old historic things, the bell system from yeah. one of the old. Yeah, hotels I was gonna say like unfortunately installed. We weren't able to catch um, any like paranormal yeah, activity it's a there really while we walked place. around. But it was super fun. So if you go there and do experience por- uh, paranormal activity, please send it to us because we would love to hear if things actually do happen at that hotel. We tried really hard. <laughs> yeah, All we right. tried really hard to find stuff. Yay! Mile13show at gmail.com. <laughs> Yay! Thanks, I seek all that validation constantly. <laughs> but yeah, that's my story. Yay! I like it. Positive Alrighty. reinforcement. Well, um, I suppose I should tell a story, shouldn't I? Yeah? Amen. Great job. Oh, no, no. Oh, I thanks. said I suppose I should tell a story, right? Sorry, you cut out for a second. No what did you say? No idea. No. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that, that'd be I nice to talk about. I mean, I guess. The I first guess. place that Jackie no and I went to. No idea what it's going to be on. On our road trip. And the very first place we went is also the most, it was the most active, the most fun. Like the and very, very first place. one of the places yeah. that we actually Ooh. do believe we it's caught paranormal most terrifying, I think. But yeah, no, I am covering the Moonville Tunnel, which is technically outside of Marietta, but not far. Um, It is the ghost town um, of Moonville, and it is the southern east or the southeastern Brown Township of Vinton County, Ohio. So back to the railroads that Kim was talking about. In 1856, the MNC or Marietta and Cincinnati Railroad pushed through the southeastern Ohio um, or southeastern Ohio to reach Cincinnati. Um, the owner of this railroad was a guy named William Cutler, um, and he was building this ginormous railroad, um, only he had recently come into some financial problems, and he was looking for a way to, like, streamline and shortcut to finish this project. 
Um, so he ended up making a business deal with a local uh, like businessman named Samuel Coe, who had property that would end up being this like crucial shortcut for this railroad. So they ended up making a deal mm-hmm. that uh, Cutler could build the railroad through Coe's uh, property. In exchange, Coe could use the local um, clay mines and coal mines and like free haul his um, what, what's the word um, goods out of out of the town. Okay, so the railroad was built. Coe started his prop- uh, started his mining like company, and several coal mines began like popping up all around town, and that's how the Moonville town was born. It was through these coal mines. The town was almost entirely coal miners but yeah no it was an incredibly t- like tiny tiny town it's like peak population was in 1870 and it was just over 100 people oh wow oh super Shoot. tiny um but the town was also super super isolated um and in order f- to get to any neighboring towns the citizens had to walk through the most heavily forest county in ohio <laughs> i'm sounds like a fun time <laughs> Oh, that sounds horrible. (laughs) Well, it was made even more fun by the fact that the trek was very hazardous and it included two trestles, which are those rail bridges that go over water and the Moonville Tunnel itself, which was all very dangerous things to cross. Mm. Wait, how was the Moonville Tunnel dangerous to cross? Was it like through it or over? You had to go through it. Um, so yeah, so like you'd have to walk through the tunnel, like you couldn't walk, I suppose you could walk over it, but most people would walk through it. And when the trains were coming through, it'd be really dangerous because, um, the entire stretch wasn't like signaled or lighted at all. And so it was very easy to like find yourself in a dangerous situation, like stuck on the trestles or in the tunnel with a train coming at you. Oh. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'll pass. Yeah, I'm good. (laughs) So by 1920, six confirmed people had died on the bridge or in the tunnel, the last of which was in 1986, who was a 10-year-old girl who was struck directly by a train in front of the tunnel. I wonder, so, okay, did you, uh, spoiler alert, I guess maybe, I'm assuming that, did you guys go into, into the tunnel? Like, was that where your thing happened? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, do the tracks today still run through the tunnel? No, the train. I will. I will get to that in just no. a second. But yeah, the trains discontinued. The tracks were pulled, so just the tunnel remains. Okay, because my question is like, how much room was there be- between like the tracks and the side of the tunnel? Like, if you were walking through the tunnel and a train came, was there enough room for you to like basically jump off the tracks and and like flatten yourself against the wall and not get hit by the train or was it that tight of a fit that you would have you're you're you have no chance that's a good question i don't know trains that well um i remember the tunnel being bigger than i expected it to be but i don't know Mm. how much room you would actually have yeah because i'm thinking too like if you have um I mean, even if you get off against the side and you have your back up against the wall, trains have the like the handles that come out that people yeah, like yeah. swing themselves up onto the train using the, the handles or whatever. Because mm-hmm. so it was probably about fifteen feet wide, right? It was yeah, it was More a than big that? like big enough tunnel. Yeah, about fifteen feet. So I wonder if just there was nowhere to go. Yeah. Well, I know if you're like if you're stuck on a trestle and you're above the water, your options are to jump into the water or get hit by the train. So, like, right. <laughs> you yeah. don't have much options. And, yeah, and trestles are super, super, super high. Yeah. 
I mean, we're oh. talking hundreds of feet in the air. So you're 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 screwed. You're just you're gonna die either way. So by the turn of the century, uh, the coal mines had all like run dry, and the town began to die. The last family moved out of the town in 1947, and by that time, the town was completely abandoned. Um, however, the train still ran through the town itself, um, even though it was a decaying ghost town at that point. Um, and the railroad. Could you imagine if you were that last family? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. No, but what I'm did you say about this last? This last family that was hung out till 1947. And they're like, I guess we leave. Yeah. Could you See, imagine being that family? Yeah, I'm imagining they were like farmers who could like take care of themselves. So they didn't need the town. But they were like, I guess we'll go. It's One introvert's just like, yes. <laughs> it's got to be super lonely. Oh, yeah. Well, all I can think of is like the new Texas Chainsaw movie where they like it's the town is dying and the village like the family decides that they're going to stay and they're going to survive by eating other people. And I'm like, God, I hope I this said, family wasn't that kind of family. That's what I said oh. at the outset. I hear cannibalism somewhere in this story. I bet you they did. I <laughs> didn't find any cannibalism in the story, but I now wish I had. I mean, well, no, I don't. That's terrible. Because they ate all the evidence. <laughs> they oh, ate all true. the evidence. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. Cannibal is always funny. <laughs> Anyways. That's how I like to spend my Saturday evenings. Yep. Sweeney Todd in it. Sweeney Todd in it. <laughs> anyway. um, so the rail worker, like the railroad workers who would like go along this track would uh, describe it as the most lonesome and desolate eight miles of track. Um, they hated the area because it was so isolated and, like, it was so dark and unsignaled that, like, the trains could just literally appear without warning, um, which is terrifying, which I, like, I don't fully understand because trains are very loud. Like, trains themselves are loud things, so, like, you have to be that isolated and that desolate that, like, a train literally could just appear without warning. Yeah, well, that's weird. But if it's heavily forested. That's true. Maybe the trees muffled the sound a little bit? Potentially. Yeah, because the trees were pretty dense by the train tracks. Mm -hmm. The ones that were when we were driving through that you could see. Because you remember that the trees were like curving over and it seemed really thick and really dense. Yeah. So I could see that. And it is, like I said, the most forested, like, forested county in Ohio. It's incredibly dense woods. So, mm. Um, Sounds awesome. But yeah, uh, it, by June 1985, the line was um, reduced to a secondary station. And the last freight uh, like passed through in August uh, 1988. Um, and the line was discontinued and all the rails were pulled. So that's why like there's no trains currently running through the tunnel. Um, mm. But nowadays, the tunnel is accessible through the end of a very old road, which I will get to at the end of the story of how you get to this place, because boy, is it a trip. Mm -hmm. So, shall we get to the ghosts? Ghosts, 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 So, ghosts, ghosts. everyone is in agreement that something haunts this tunnel. However, with all local ghost stories, there is some discrepancy as to who exactly that person is. So, I'm going to put a disclaimer that I can't prove that any of these, like, are the ghost. So I'm just going to go over the most likely stories. Um, and okay. you get to decide who you think is the ghost. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure. It's a choose-your-own-adventure. Like um, so many people claim to feel the air grow cold at the, like, one end of the tunnel. Um, rocks are thrown at people's feet. A foggy mist will appear at random. And, like, ghostly figures um, have been seen in photos. 
Um, the, there are many people who claim to see a figure, um, which is usually the figure of a man who is carrying a lantern um, and is sometimes seen as like a hovering orb. Mm. Uh, the figure is usually dressed in old-fashioned engineering like uniform. Um, but yeah, one thing's for sure. Someone, like I said, somebody haunts this tunnel. We're just not quite sure who it is. So let's get mm. to the candidates. <laughs> yes. Candidate number one, number one is a railroad worker who was crushed by an oncoming train in the spring of 1859. A newspaper article from the MacArthur Democrat, or yeah, the MacArthur Democrat, dated March 31st, 1859, said, and I quote, a brakesman was fatally injured when the wheels passed over his leg, grinding it into a shapeless mass. Uh, grinding. Sorry, let me try oh. that again. I read it wrong. A brakesman was fatally injured when the wheels passing over and grinding into a shapeless mass the greater part of one of his legs. Oh, it didn't get better when you reread it. No, it didn't get better when I read it again. <laughs> no. Can no. you imagine, like, you were in this hor horrific accident, and you're like, oh, thank God, I'm alive. And then you look down, and your leg's literally a pancake. Oh. It's like you can't move it. Because just everything's gone. Every, everything's like gone. Mashed just, up. just crushed. Just flat. <sighs> so clearly he died of shock. Yeah. I'm about to. Because that, <laughs> that'll get you. <laughs> but interestingly, <laughs> some stories say this guy was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Some say he was pushed in front of the train. And some <gasps> say he was just drunk. Hmm. Hmm. I like the idea that the cannibal family pushed him in front of the, the train. The cannibal family pushed him in front of the train. <laughs> That's what I'm going to stick to as well. Well, the cannibal family didn't leave until 1947, and the trash, uh, the like crane crash was in 1859. So, ancestors? Oh, I think we're on to something here. I think we solved it. I think we solved it. Um, similarly, there are several stories that say um, the person who was struck was not a, like an actual railroad worker. It was just somebody walking by the track. Sometimes it's a woman. Sometimes she's pregnant. And sometimes there's a story that he was a uh, eight-foot-tall African-American man named Rastus Dexter. That sounds made of up. <laughs> I don't know. That sounds very anything made else up. about it because there is no other information than his name was Rastus Dexter and he was eight feet tall. I like to think that's someone's name. I feel like that is the most like African American former slave name that yeah. somebody could come up with. It's like I. It's not a good story. It's just an interesting one. Yeah. That is. <laughs> It's like a black Paul Bunyan. Is that what we're going with here? <laughs> I guess. Who died getting hit by a train? That's the worst children's that's not tale. A good, no, that's a terrible story. That's a terrible story. Loved getting hit by trains. <laughs> what? Don't play with train tracks, I, I guess, know, kids. Tired. I guess that's what the moral of that story is. <laughs> um. So, so that's candidate number one. Someone gets hit by a train. Okay. Might be this, uh, this eight-foot-tall African-American man, Rastus. Might be a pregnant woman. Might be a drunk dude. Who knows? Might be I a dude Rastus. who lost his leg and turned it into a pancake. I pick Rastus, who got hit by a train and got his leg pancaked. I choose, yeah, I choose the pancake legs. Pancake well, legs. 
while drinking pancake and while he legs. was pregnant. Rastus, the eight foot tall pregnant man who got his legs pancaked. Yep, that's perfect. <laughs> who, that's who it is. Who likes his pancake legs. <laughs> so, story number two. At some point, the town of Moonville was hit by a terrible, terrible plague, which ended up quarantining the town. So it, nobody could come in, nobody could go out. Trains that came through the town would have to go straight through and they couldn't stop because of this like horrendous like illness. Uh, so because of that, and since the town was so isolated, they started to starve. Cannibals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a weird noise. <laughs> um, no, no cannibals in the story. But they did start making a plan that somebody, a volunteer, would go outside the town's limits and they would like hail down a train. And because they were outside of the limits, they would be able to stop the train and get food and get help um, because this town was dying. Only the person who volunteered mistimed the event and arrived at the tunnel when the train was. So in a desperate act, he ran through the tunnel trying to reach the town limits before the train passed. And in the process, he was struck and killed. Oh my so gosh. people say when you see the swinging light, it's actually his distress signal trying to like flag down the train. Oh, oh that's so sad. I know. I was going to say, this makes me really sad. Well, I want to go back to Rastus. Small, small silver lining is there is no record of any epidemic or the town getting quarantined. So this one's not very likely. Plus, if like, okay. oh, cool. If that was the plan, why would you run through the tunnel towards the train trying to beat it? You're not going to win there, buddy. You just, you're not that fast. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's true. All right. So we're, we're knocking that one out as not a thing. Last story is in November uh, 1880, an engineer named Frank Lawhead lost his life when the train dispatcher failed to notify him that another train was coming down the track. The trains collided and caused a massive explosion that killed both Lawhead and the firemen on board. Not long after this collision, a ghostly form dressed in white began showing up along the tracks. Um, engineers would talk about seeing him or a ghostly light swinging back and forth like a lantern. Um, in February 1895, the Chili Cloth, I think it is how it's pronounced. Chili Coffee. Chili Coffee? Oh, that uh -huh. was such a cute pronunciation. Chili Cloth? <laughs> chili, chili Cloth. Chili Coffee is how you pronounce that I need word. I some Chili Cloth with my pancake legs. <laughs> chili Cloth with my pancake legs. Anyways, the how was it said? Chillicothe. Chillicothe Gazette. There we go. <laughs> Wait, that's not the Native American tribe you covered in the beginning, is it? No. Okay, cool. I got really scared there for a second. <laughs> I was like, wait, was I just a dumbass? I just completely forgot how to pronounce that name. No, we're good. <laughs> nope. No, you're good. Anyways, um, how do you guys know that name, though? It's not too far from here. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's a pretty big city. Uh, yeah. I got it. I got it. I had never seen the word before. Anyways, so the Gazette of this place um, wrote an article um, which says, Monday night, the ghost appeared just east of the cut, which is one half mile on the other side of Moonville. It showed up in front of the last freight, one half mile on the other side of Moonville. Or wait, no. Yeah. They actually reported the ghost in the paper? I know. That's, I, this is my favorite thing, that they report the ghost in the, in the paper. But it gets better. Um, it showed up in front of the last freight, Number 99, westbound. The ghost was attired in pure white robes and carried a lantern. It had a flowing white beard. Its eyes glistened like balls of fire and was surrounded by a halo of twinkling stars. As the train approached, the lantern was swung across the tracks. 
That was in an actual newspaper. Wow. That sounds about as likely as the other guy I can't remember the name of. Honestly, Chillicothe is kind of a farm town, so probably, like, not a lot happens there. So I'm only mildly surprised that they reported the ghost. (laughs) But even still, I just love the detail. I'm still mildly surprised. Eyes glistening like What'd balls of fire and halo of twinkling stars. There's so such great detail in that. <laughs> halo of twinkling stars. That's what did it for me. It was the halo of twinkling he stars. Was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> so most people think that the ghost that haunts this tunnel is Frank Lawhead, the guy who was hit in the in the train. Since the ghost started appearing right after the collision, and since that is like okay. recorded in an actual like. Like, other people died getting hit by the train, but this was a recorded, tra- like, crash, and the ghost appeared very shortly after. So, And the ghost was recorded in the newspaper. And got recorded <laughs> in the newspaper. All kinds of legitimacy. Yeah. So, of Moonville, nothing remains of the town except for the old cemetery, which is, like, almost completely gone. It's just a couple, like, gravestones in the middle of the woods and this tunnel. That's all that is, re- like, left of this town. I feel like when we drove through, there was a lot of abandoned, like weird abandoned things. So like things have built up since the town, but it's all just like random farmers. There's no like distinct neighborhood. It is now like a park, basically. It's not a national park, but it's essentially like a forest preserve kind of park. Um, So Mm. when we went there, um, like I said, we went on this like big trip that went to all these different places. Lafayette, Lafayette Hotel was one of my favorites. When we arrived, uh, we were driving through all these woods, and we lost, like, immediately lost signal on our GPS. And we had to, like, go find this map that was, like, by this, like, old abandoned schoolhouse, and we, like, old-schooled it, which we were surprisingly good at. We were surprisingly good yeah, at using these old Yeah, we didn't do maps. too bad. Go us millennials. Let's go. <laughs> um, but it, you, like, go down this, like, long, long road, and, like, it is on the map. Like, it is labeled on the map that, like, where the tunnel is. So it's not terribly hard to find, um, but it is difficult when you don't have GPS and have to use a mm-hmm. photo of the map on your phone. Um, but uh, when you get there, there's this, like, old road that kind of goes off and goes, like, it's a dirt road that goes in, and you, f- like, into the woods, and you follow it until you reach this, like, gate that you can't take your car past. And then you get out, and you follow the path a little bit further, and you go across this bridge, and then there's the tunnel, which is, like I said before, surprisingly much bigger than you would expect it to be. Um, like, obviously, it's big. Trains have to get through it. But yeah, um, it's just it's a big tunnel and it's all covered with like graffiti and art. It's so pretty. Um, it is very beautiful on the inside. It's so are pretty. you so are you allowed to go there or yeah? Is yeah. It, okay, so it's not one of those places you have to like oh, yeah, sneak no, no. into. No, no, no. You're no. completely allowed okay. to go in. Um, so we walked through and all the way to the other side, and then me being the little shit that I am, decided <laughs> I wanted to climb up on top of the tunnel because there's like hills that like grow up on either side of the tunnel so it's very easy to kind of just climb up and we'll probably post those pictures because we have pictures of me sitting on top of the tunnel yeah um but while i was up there so it was early spring when we went so it was still like kind of cold so it was cold enough for us to like be wearing coats um and so as i was climbing i got hot so i threw my coat down to the ground and when it hit the ground it like echoed through the tunnel and it made a much louder echo than my coat should have made um Hmm. and it like echoed through so i climbed back down to be like what was that noise and when i came back down jackie you told me that like you had felt 
rocks being thrown at your feet. And yeah, so we did we did no research prior to this other than oh, this place is haunted. Let's go. And also, so there were icicles all through yeah. the inside of the tunnels. So that that's kind of important later. But um, I felt this is the only place that I've gone to where I just felt weird. But yeah, so the Moonville Tunnel, I I felt so unbelievably weird. The drive up, pulling in, all this. And yeah, so Casper goes up the side. And I kept thinking there was like a little bit of water running down the side because there's icicles. Things are melting. And I kept seeing like... I was centered to the road. So the the hill went to the side and rocks would like come out and like land at my feet or like roll towards me. And I was like, this is weird. And at first I was like, okay, there's a big hill. Like that makes sense. But then it would just roll out to like where I was. And then stop right at you. Yeah. And then Casper just climbing all over it. <laughs> and so I, I was literally sitting there like Casper just come down, like please come down. And they were, like, 10 feet away, maybe, like, 20. But I'm just like, please, like, come back down. It's and a then high tunnel. I, think when you I should not have been up as high as I was. <laughs> yeah. Someone was upset. And I, th- I think when you threw your coat down, an icicle probably fell, too. And I think that was another noise. Yeah. But it was, it was, like, further down. So you, like, threw your coat, and then it went, doo, like, really loud. Echoed through the tunnel. And yeah. Um, and I come down, and I also, like, as I was coming down, I was, like, seeing other rocks, like, as Jackie was saying, like, being, like, thrown down where I wasn't. Like, it would make sense with me climbing to, like, dislodge some rocks, but it wasn't where I was. It was the other side that I was, like, watching rocks get thrown down towards our feet. So at this point, we decide that we're going to go back to the car and get our phones and start, like, recording. So we go back and we do, like, mm-hmm. a little bit of research. Like, I literally was, like, just Googled it really quickly and saw, like, the first story, which was the guy get hits, like, gets hit by the train. That's it. Um, so I, I, like, start talking and I start asking questions because this is not the first time I've talked to, like, spirits. Um, but I, so I know what to say. And so, like, I start asking the, like, most common questions of, like, is there a spirit here with us? Um, do, do you wish to make your presence known? Um, please show us something. And for a while, it didn't do anything. For a while, it was just pretty quiet. And then I asked, um, I asked like again, would you please let your presence be known? And like, I think like three icicles in succession like fell. Um, there was the biggest. No, no, no. I'll get to that one of icicles. In a That's oh. the next part. <clears throat> Oh, okay, never mind. I forgot there was a part before that. There was a part before that where I asked it to show. I asked him to show himself to us, and he dropped icicles. So I said, "Is there anything you want to tell us?" And there was a very, very large icicle cluster in the middle of the tunnel, pretty much right above us, and it fell very loudly and very close to us. It was terrifying, and I was nervous the whole time. Like, even walk, that gave me the worst feeling, that whole place. And so, so I, like, I literally go, so is there, is there anybody here who would like to show us something? Please let your presence be known. Crash, crash, crash. Awesome. I'm so glad that you, like, want to talk to us. Is there anything you want to tell us? Giant crash right next to us. And I just go, okay, so we're going to go ahead and go because you seem mad. (laughs) (laughs) You think? So we wow. yeah we left and we did catch a recording of the crash happening, uh, which we will probably either post on Facebook or like put into this record into this podcast, in this episode. Yeah. If we have it, we'll put it 
Here. Sweet. Put it in right so maybe it's not here. There. Right here. <laughs> but yeah, that is one of my favorite stories of like catching the ghost. Yeah, well, that's my story. Woo! One of my many ghost stories. Fun road trip. Oh, it was so much yeah, fun. I would I do like it again it. in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <sighs> All right. Well, you got anything else you want to add? Um, I think I'm good. It was a fun road trip. Do it. Go to both places. I know. I want to go to the pizza hotel. Yeah. Do it. What's it called? The Lafayette? Lafayette. Lafayette. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll just remember it as the pizza hotel because pizza's good. If you type in Haunted Marietta, it's is literally the the main one. The very first thing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh. So I guess that's it. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Email us at mile thirteen show at gmail dot com, and let us know what you think. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, I'm taking a nap. Me too. <laughs> I'm tired. It's been a long day. Same. A real long day. Bye. Bye. Bye.